Hi, welcome to the Sayers Conversations podcast. Continuing on with the Innovator series, today we have joining us a very special guest and that is the CEO and co-founder of Zella, Ben Fisterer. Enjoy. This is a Sayers Innovation podcast, uh, the special innovation series that we're doing, hey Freddie? Um, Freddie, of course, is uh, the Good One producer who's in the studio with us. Um, and I might even ask Freddie later on if he wants to ask you a question or not too. So we're sure. with we're with Ben Ben Fisterer. Ben is the co-founder and CEO of an organisation called Zella. Um, it's a payment solutions company. It's based in Melbourne, Australia. It's it's great to meet you, Ben. Thanks for having me in. It's uh, I mean I'm excited for all sorts of reasons. Not the least of which um, we're talking to a successful entrepreneur. Um, digital entrepreneur, new economy entrepreneur, and you know this is something which I think every listener is really keen to hear from people such as yourselves, what they can learn, um, what they can apply, um, whether they can beat you even. Sure, uh, yeah. sure. <laughs> Are you up for that? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now before we before we get into it, what we like to do is just a bit of fun with um, with audio, given that the podcast is an audio medium. Um, we're going to play you some sounds. Uh, and the reason why we do that is we want you to picture the best place for you to have a conversation. So, Freddie, let's roll. Right, Ben. So, you and I are going to have a great oh, chat. Man. Oh, no. Fire, beach, pub. I never know. The fourth one's like sailing, I suppose. I don't know. Sailing and then forest. Okay. What, are we mates? Are we business partners? I'm going to get annoying here. So put, put it this way. I, I love catching up with people yeah. in a bar. That's in a bar. All, I've always, always enjoyed right. that. I'm with you. So, all right. So a, a bar. Um, we're, we're not mates. We're, you know, we're in a, okay. we're in a transaction here. Right. But hopefully, um, hopefully we become mates. So one request from me. When we're in the pub, um, we're going to play pool. Yep. All right, so we're at a pub and we're playing pool. You're up for that? Absolutely. So the first thing I'd say to you is, I read that your business is worth a billion dollars. Is that true? (laughs) I thought you were going to ask me, because you guys are in the digital e-commerce world and getting rid of cash, where do we find a dollar coin to put into the (laughs) table? I like it. (laughs) I would have been struggling on that one because I was asked that question the other day and I was like, damn it. (laughs) It's a good question. I wish I'd thought of it. Okay. Uh, Is it true? Billion dollar. Uh, well, I'll go, I'll go back a bit in terms of I hate the term unicorn. Uh, I hate all that whole aspiring to be a unicorn. And that I mean, yes, unicorn means you are valued at a billion dollars, which I'm very proud of. The fact that we raise money at that level, it's an awesome thing, a lot to feel good about. Yeah. But it is merely a side thing of yeah. a business that is going the right way and people like what we're doing and yeah. want to be part of it. So. Yeah. Okay, so um, I know that your valuation is a billion because I read about okay. it. I read about yeah. it in Smart Company yeah. and I read that you had a fundraise, you had a 50 million fundraise at a valuation of 400 million. Not that long ago, no. maybe 18 months ago? Uh, yep, before the last one. Yep, okay, yep. and then you've had a recent uh, raise and um, at a valuation of, of $100 million at a ra- at a valuation of $1 billion. So the marketplace says that you're worth a billion. Yep. So why does the market think you are? Uh, please dismiss modesty. <laughs> um, uh, there's a few different ways. I think if you look at uh, why I think we get compared to um, other, other businesses around us to see how fast we're growing... Uh, the opportunity that we have before us and the team that's in place and they see the things that we see, 
and they see the the growth potential within the business. Yeah. Um, but obviously tackling a massive thing that has huge upside and huge potential as well, being business banking and business payments and what have you. So the ability to have what we think is the right team in place, the right products to start off and the right, I guess, obviously a few other ticks in a few boxes, investors like what they saw and back to sin. Okay, so you'd have to be good, I imagine, at articulating the problem that you're solving. Um, you know, And I think, again, back to smart company, they have called your fundraising efforts extraordinary. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that they're not going to do that, say that lightly. So what I'm guessing is you're very good at articulating the problem that you're solving and proving that you can. So tell us tell us about the problem that you're solving. Yeah, it's, I mean, on, on that point, though, it's, it's the problem you're solving, why you think you're different and why you think you can do it differently to other people, uh, but also building the narrative around how you're going to do it, how you're going to get there, why you and the people around you are the best place to do that. So it's ticking a lot of those boxes, and it's a lot about storytelling, but it's factual storytelling. So getting that right in a, in a conversation of a capital raise is absolutely critical. Uh, what we're doing is um, I've been in payments banking space for a long time, mainly payment innovation um, and getting um, that sort of stuff done in terms of paywave and contactless and mobile payments and things like that over the last few years. Um, so I know the space really well. And so my, my biggest concern when I looked out at the broader community is that we have an amazing entrepreneurial society. Australia is one of the best, um, but a lot of changes coming through in the digital format, like absolutely at a pace which business owners, managers, you name it, cannot be expected to keep up with. And the main part of that change is around the financial service, how are they, the most important part of their business, how do they transact, take the money, yeah, yeah. hold the money, spend the money, manage their business. And what's happened over the last few years is so many awesome solutions have come to market, but they've created complexity. So what we did is have a look at the business banking space, and I like term it banking, but financial services for business, and said, what do they all need? Like, what is the one number one thing? So we looked at that and we dissected it and said, well, they all need a better way to accept payments. And as we know, cash is disappearing. So how do you accept payments better, electronic payments better? And can we build a solution that is best in market and provides simplicity, clarity, and cost efficiencies? Mm -hmm. That's one part. The second part of it was to say, well, once they have those payments coming in, they've got to put them somewhere. And currently they have to go and get a bank account with a traditional bank. And bank accounts today are literally dumb vessels to hold money. They don't do anything for the business owner. They don't help them. They're hard to set up. They take a lot of time. They're often yeah. hidden fees. So we thought, can we do that better? Make it simpler, make it easier to set up so you get your money in and you hold it better. Yep. The third part of that equation is you've got your money and you're holding it. How do you get it out? Like, how do you quickly go and solve those cash flow issues? How do you pay staff, pay your bills, uh, pay your lease? And, and But also know, am I overspending? Am I spending at the right rate? And understanding that. And all that comes back to cash flow. Okay. Um, you've given us the headline, thank you. Banks are basically dumb vessels. <laughs> would, you, would, <laughs> would you have invested based on that? <laughs> no, I, love, I love that. Okay, so cashless society, that's yep. um, clearly clearly where we're going. I get that a cashless society is very good for the government. I, I understand that. Yep. Um, so black economy becomes, you know, grey and white, you know, like I get that it's good for yep. the government. I get it's good for business, you know, clearly I understand that as well. Why is it good for consumers? The ability to not have to lose money, track money, take money out of one thing, go hand it in another bank account and sort of having to manage that, that complexity, to have it all in a simple place which is digital. But then what the, I guess, the innovators in this space should be doing, hopefully we're doing, is making that vastly easier for you to manage your money. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone, and I'm no different than anyone else in terms of struggle to reconcile monthly bills, looking money coming in, money going out, am I, hang on, am I increasing my spend and discretionary spend? Am I spending too much on 
holidays or whatever, the ability to actually have that managed for you to understand your cash flow, personal cash flow, is vastly better. Absolutely vastly better. Okay, so uh, Square. Square was a business you were involved in. Tell us the Square yep. story. Uh, yes, Square was founded by a pretty well-known person called Jack Dorsey, who also founded Twitter. He's been most in the media for that. Uh, and yeah, I think about nine years ago, um, I was approached by him and his team to potentially join Square to help build their international... Um, and why were you approached? Um, I wasn't the only one approached, but the reason I think that why I got the job is I had a mix of a few qualities that I were looking for. I had worked in blue chips, so I knew how to deal with external factors and whether it's bureaucracy, you know, politicians, um, regulation and things like that. So I understood that sort of blue, blue chip environment. I knew how to operate in that space, but I also hated that space as well. So I also knew how to go throw it aside and say, right, we may be getting ready for regulation or we may be having to build a very structured company with bureaucracy, yep. but how do we move fast? How do we hire the right people? How do we get into market? How do we grow a brand? How do we get our logistics working, et cetera, et cetera. So, you, so you learned that in a, in a corporate world? You learned sort of like, let's call it entrepreneurship? Uh, a few different ways, but I did start my own business a couple of innings before that one. So like for the square, it was probably, it wasn't obviously my business, but I was setting it up in Australia. So starting my own business, I learned a lot about self-motivation, how to get things going, how to be scrappy. So, uh-huh. And then I combined that with the innovation working I was doing in those blue chips. Plus, I was uh, heavily exposed to like working at Jetstar. I worked with the founding team to to learn from them more than actually play a craft because uh, I was just learning. But uh, yeah, putting all those together, it positioned me pretty well with a balance of that entrepreneurial spirit, but a bit of the big picture understanding as well. So Square, um, how long were you there for? Uh, just on six years, I think. Okay, so, great. Yep, yep. great. And then you did you find your co-founder at Square? Uh, one off, yep. Um, I, so there's there's um, uh, Dominic Yap, Alfred Wong, and David Conn. So there's actually four of us. Um, so uh, when you're effectively building a future, what will become a bank and a payments business, you know you don't do it lightly. So two, Dave and Alfred are CTOs in their own right, and Dom, who worked with me at Square, I knew very very well and was more of an all rounder in that payments operation space. So take me back to the to day one, or in probably probably in the consulting world, day zero when you're just thinking about it. Yep. Was it the four of you in a room and a whiteboard saying, you know, we need to get into fintech because fintech's where there's some serious growth, or or was it a a more simple proposition? I've got an idea. Just tell it, you know, literally take us to day to day zero. Sure. Well, I I left after. You know, almost six years I left Square and they, I don't know what the term is, golden handcuffs, tying you up or whatever, yeah, but yeah. I was put into... Handcuffs. Handcuffs, yeah. I wasn't <laughs> able to do any work in my field for, I think it was six months. And again, I thought that was a, would be a good thing because I could go out and hang out with my mates and what have you, but it turns out your mates have jobs and families and what have you. So <laughs> I couldn't do that. So I just basically thought, well, what's my next move here? What do I do? So I was very much experienced in innovation, payments, yeah. financial services. I wasn't going to jump out of my lane. That was something I, I did consider it, but then I thought, no, it's not going to be me. Yeah. And all these other guys were still working. So uh, it was basically me toying with a few ideas. And this one thing that no one was solving and reshaping the future of business banking was the one that was bugging me. There's right. a lot of fintechs popping up everywhere, but they were on the outside or niches and things. I don't think anyone was resolving or reimagining what business banking could be. So that was the big gnarly challenge that I liked the idea of. But to be honest, I stewed on it for weeks thinking, oh, there's no way as a single person oh. this operation can yeah. do this. It's just not possible. So a lot of things have to go right. Um, 
so yeah, I just started that that process of you know I started doing you know wireframing, sketching up things, having ideas, doing financial modeling, seeing if it work, and basically just toying with the idea mm. until you have these really random little one-off conversations with people who do not know better in terms of they don't know how hard it is. They're not in that space, and they go, "What do you think you're doing?" I'm like, oh, "I'm thinking of doing this and starting this." And they go, "Why don't you just do it?" <laughs> and that naivety that they have, they're just like, yeah. and "You go, oh, you, you don't understand. It's really, really hard, etc." So they go, "Well, why don't you just do it?" Well, and you are it, building a bank. Correct. Which is, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think it's fair that you think it's a bit hard. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I still think that today. So, um, yeah, we have a motto uh, that we talk about, which is how hard can it be? Because we ask that question a lot. And it turns out it's really bloody hard. So, um, yeah. Uh, but we just kept asking that question, doing it. So, yeah, it was just this toying with some ideas and then basically reaching out to a couple of the co founding team and just bouncing ideas off them and saying, you know, do you think it would work? And it was more like, soundboarding with them more than anything um yep. but my hidden agenda was to if it's going to work i'm going to need them to come you, join me i so. like it okay and, and as you say there's ct two ctos yeah um because you've got to build this thing yeah and so where have you built it uh literally yeah no literally in, in in australia in melbourne uh, right. oh Alfred, not to be honest um alfred's in sydney but um the whole majority of the team is in melbourne um, yeah, it is exceptionally hard. And and the other hard layer is, without going too deep into fintech, a majority of today's fintechs actually just put a wrapper on other another platform or another service. Right. And we try not to do that. We okay. try to build a lot of our own infrastructure. Well, that was where I was going to go. I was wondering what is, you know, IP. Maybe that's the best question for you. What have you got that's IP, genuine new tech? Um, we don't really worry about IP too much. And, okay. and the reason I say that is that back to the earlier comment, it is just so hard to do. So if I could, I could stand in a crowded room and say, hey, I'm going to build a bank and it's going to look like this and it's going to be easy to onboard or whatever and good luck to anyone that wants to try to do that as well. Right. Like, so we don't worry about that per se. There's a lot of nuance in sort of the way we're approaching things where yeah. we do have IP on certain elements and structures and designs yeah. and that, but nothing materially. Like we're not, we're not saying we're creating an entity that no one could possibly imagine and everyone could do, so yeah. we don't worry about that yeah. too much. More than fair, but what you do have IP around is a brand. Yep. And... Um, so when you sat there in that room, let's just say it's day zero just for fun, uh, did you say, I want to have a new fintech brand, it's going to be, we're going to target um, the business community, we need to give them something with, you know, frictionless, and it, it's got to have a Z in it. Because <laughs> um, that's what I'd do. <laughs> or an X, maybe. <laughs> I can comfortably say no, I did not do that. Um, I love branding, design, all the elements, a big sort of passion of mine that's come through and everything we do. Mm. Um, but I mean, you're very well versed in this space. Um, so if there's a few things, I would challenge you to f sit in front of a computer, open up Google, and try to come up with a name for a financial services business right. that hasn't been taken. Right, exactly. Good yeah. luck. You can't find it, and then you find yourself in this weird dark hole of making up words, and then you're like, yeah, that makes sense to me, and then you <laughs> take a step back and you go, that that's illogical. That's right. a stupid name. Um, so no, div definitely didn't. I would probably prefer not to have a Z or, or an X in it. Mm. But I knew that we were going to grow and morph over time yeah. into different things. So if you just called it like something pay or something bank or whatever, it's yeah. incredibly boring, restrictive. Yeah. So I wanted something that was, it felt like it was a word, but it wasn't quite. And the other part of it was, um, I kept coming back to, I'd love to just represent our end user in the name. But if you do that, you have a literal stupid name, like um, like where... Boss. Yeah, or, or merchant, or something like, or something like that. I like Finboss. Finboss. <laughs> uh, no, I've spoken to you before. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so no. Yeah. Long story short. Um, what about Dubos? 
Actually, I'm glad I didn't speak to you. <laughs> oh, no, right. no good. No, no, I think for us it was like, I was thinking, well, the, a name for our customer is like customer merchant yep. um, uh, retailer or something. And in the US, particularly a little bit here, they call them sellers. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. So it was like, well, I kind of like that, but it's a bit literal. No nice. offense. And then, we, and, then, and then we went, let's just tweak it a bit. And yes, we got the Z. And it was like, let's go with it. And, and so, so I, I want to go into the room. So you've done Z-E-O-O-R. O-R, you've whacked it into Google and you've said, oh my God, we're going to have it. <laughs> E-R, please, Z-E-L-L-E-R. E-R. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and we were thinking long and hard about it. It was like, was it the right name? And it just sat so beautifully oh, yeah. and it kind of, it stuck in our heads because it was so close to the word the word seller yeah. um, and it had a nice ring to it. It didn't immediately conjure up a picture of something that wasn't offensive. It yeah. wasn't, so it was like... There's something with it, and we just sat on it for a while, and yeah. it just absolutely resonated. And who did the traffic cone logo for you? Um, I was really, really bad in forgetting. This is a great little local designer in Northgate. Damn it! Yeah. Um, no, no, he did. But I think this is what happens, right? The designer always gets forgotten. I know. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, so bad. But oh, hang mo- on. I'm going to. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get it wrong. So sorry when he hears this. I think it's an odd name. It's three sided square. Yeah, well, it, they've done. They've so done a nice. They've done a nice job. Why do you like it? I like it because it's um it's a few different things where it, it sits well in different colors and in different backgrounds. So from aesthetically, it's quite a strong mm-hmm. strong brand. The two L's, which are slightly disjointed in the middle, yep. they're actually symbolic of a buyer and a seller. This is getting a little bit no esoteric. no no no. This is the storylines behind logos and brands are very very important. Okay, good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, the two L's, which are slightly off off kilter, if you look at the brand there. They represent a buyer and a seller coming together, right. a card and a terminal coming together, an interaction between two humans, a conversation. So right. it is there is actually something in that, um, and this is going to be a really bad thing to say on a podcast. But I also kind of like the idea of stealing that. Um, oh God, what is it? Is it Australian Super? That mm-hmm. this one that does mm-hmm. the hand gesture, mm-hmm. which no one can see apart from you. Yep. Kind of liked it as Every, well with yep. the, with the double L. So right. there's, there's an ad in the future, long distance, where everyone says a U with this so um uh, <laughs> if you can't see russ's face now but he's just trying to work out what the hell i'm talking about no i'm not but, no yeah. I, I i entirely get what you're on about <laughs> and it's good it's good and i think that everyone will know when you're talking australian super in the two hands everyone will know what you're talking about it's a great it's a right? well the fact that i can't remember the name is not good but everyone yeah, knows the ad yeah so. well it's it is the mark of australian super right yep. so it's it's a it's a gang of people that are involved in that particular in the superannuation industry australian super and it's very very good and it's a, it's a great example of simplicity absolutely uh, of design simplicity as well and um and again zella is simple and i think that that's one you know one of the one of the great one of the great things you've already done is the wrapping is the IP, which is where all this started. I suppose you you, you didn't think ZRX because that's pharmaceutical, really, isn't it? It's drugs. Yeah, well, X, <laughs> X, well, yeah, we well, X is also um, um, Zero have successfully owned that space. They have. So I think getting into that looks a little bit clonish. So. They've done a good job of it. Um, Office Works. Yep. So um, Freddie and I jumped on the website having a good look at what you're up to. It's it is beautifully designed too. It's very good. Simply simple design. The office works. You read about that and think, "Geez, that's clever." T- tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really, really important partner for us. Like massively important. So there's probably two elements to it. So it's the selfish thing about what what we can get from it. And when you're trying to grow a new brand, particularly a brand new brand that has no resonance at all in market, you can throw a heap of money at marketing, performance marketing, awareness marketing, right? You name it, and you're just throwing money into the wind, hoping something sticks. Or you can go where your customers are 
guaranteed to be going. And as we know, uh, Officeworks does a phenomenal job of oh, yeah. offering services for every business. You know, the biggest business to the smallest business, uh, I'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who runs or owns a business that hasn't been in there on a regular occurrence. So if we could have our products in there, um, you could – this is a really bad term, but the only thing I can think of. Um, there's a term that I use with the team which is called the stumble-across effect, which is very literal. Yeah, yeah But good. to be able to get the stumble-across effect is they didn't know they were looking for you. They didn't know you existed, but yeah. they stumble across it. Yeah. That's pretty special. So if we do the traditional marketing and the digital marketing really well – and we get the stumble across effect, it's a dangerous combination from the outset. I, I love it. Stumble across effect, you know, like recency as well. Yep. Um, and I, I, okay, so just explain to me a little more about how, how, about how that stumble across effect actually works. So I'm in Officeworks, then what happens to me as a, as a potential customer of Zilla? Yep. Um, so no matter what type of business you are, if you're taking payments in person, so we provide what people call FPOS terminals here, or you need a transaction account to start running your online business, or you need a business debit card to start spending your money, mm-hmm. you can get that all in Officeworks from Zella. So the fact that you're in there and you might be going, oh, I'm about to start my new business, I need a chair and a desk. And actually, and? I kind of need these things too. Or I'm an existing business and I'm growing really fast and I'm really quite sick of the incumbents and the products they're giving me. Uh-huh. I didn't know there was this thing here. So it's just that, okay, I've seen it. And they may not always buy it right then, yep. but they've seen it. So the retailers the retailers are very good at making brands, products that are on their shelves, pay for being there. Yep. Um, and also pay for to be in the brochure, pay to be on the website, pay to be in the ad, pay to be in everything. I mean, you know, like the probably the largest advertiser in the country is Chemist Warehouse. Yep. Um, and they spend the they spend the, you know the, the people that are on the shelves is the money that they're spending. They're very good at it. Yep. So, are you able to tell us what what's the the transaction between you and Officeworks? Uh, yeah, obviously they're making a margin. I don't yeah. think it's too too different no, there. But good. but but for us, like the the value equation is pretty simple. Like they for for good reason and a lot of years have cornered the market. So. Um, the fact that we can partner with them and be in their presence. And I love the fact that they're in so many places, including regional Australia as well. So for us, that's a massive tick. So we can everyone across the country can see us and find us. It's, so it's really good. Some bigger questions. Yep. So when I look at the digital world, the financial digital world that's yep. been created, um, you see fraud. You see a lot of fraud. Yep. Um, and I think in the UK, the fastest growing crime is, is fraud yep. because of the digital world. Has the digital world spent enough money? Have they invested enough in ensuring that fraud isn't so? And I'm going to say easy in inverted commas because I, I wouldn't have a clue how to do it. But yeah. you know, there are those that do know how to do it. So, are the walls big enough? Is there enough investment? Um, and what's your view of that? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of elements to this. So you can never spend enough money on this because, be, unfortunately, where there's a way for people to steal or take shortcuts in life and whatever. Yeah, people will do it, right? And so when new opportunities emerge, new people will focus on it. So you can never do it enough. It gets more sophisticated, uh, more syndicated, syndicated, you name it. So it becomes harder and harder to address. But that said, what is happening concurrently is the tools that you can build and have available to actually reduce that and to make sure that, okay, when someone's doing a transaction in make-up random country in the US at the same time as Australia, they're clearly not here and that's not that own. So there's the ability to start understanding right. it. So whilst digital creates opportunity for fraudsters, there's a lot of sort of pushback on it, making sure that there's tools to manage that. Okay. Um, but it is a constant battle. I think we need to do a lot more. I think, um, you know, without, I know it's a hard task, but our government, our regulators, our law enforcement, massive task to keep up with this stuff. Right. So 
we have a vested interest in keep up because when we hold people's money or transact people money, that's a promise that we'll look after that. So we have to keep up with it. So if, if we don't, our brand is gone. Um, but I think generally the broader community has to make sure we're moving faster and investing in those entities to do it as well. One of the things which interests me is um, competition policy, productivity. So, I mean, for more than 10 years now, we've been saying that productivity is basically plateaued. Um, and then you look at policy federal government policy and it's almost like they never mentioned the word competition <laughs> so yep. one of the one of the ways you you improve productivity of course is via competition what i would then do is i would then put the banks in the they're not competing hard enough bucket in order to drive productivity but then maybe i'm wrong about that because i've got a narrow view of what's happening in the finance sector if i had a broader view which would include you then it would be about they there would be some genuine competition that is genuinely driving down competition there is nowhere near enough competition in the australian financial services space it is it is no it's nowhere near it needs to be and there's and there's few ways to look at it so is, are the big four banks competing against it? of course they are are they doing it enough do they sit on their profits and not have to move too much can they still grow with generic products and just share the divide mm -hmm. for you but uh, I, I think like if you look at calling out one like you, you look at cba they're actually competing really well yep. I think i'm quite impressed the way they run their business and the way they launch new products digitize yep yep absolutely yep. doing good play yep. other three maybe not so much at yep. this at this point yep. but then you look beyond that is that you can't just have four players competing because then you get back to the problems we've had over the last 20 years of this just four comfortable so i think that there's new entrants locally and coming from overseas is ridiculously healthy but i do not constantly but i i worry about the Australian competitive landscape for Australian startups. It's so hard to come in to compete against for ridiculously well-established incumbents. And it's the same thing in most industries, a small number of incumbents. Yep. So for me, I've always been a strong advocate of everyone talks about, you know, levelling the playing field. No, you've got to do more. You've got to give them an unfair advantage to compete. Right. So if that's How? How? Uh, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah how? Yeah. Uh, many different ways. I think the number, like the simplest one to look at is from a regula regulation perspective and, Regulation is always formed with logical reasons in mind, particularly in the banking, the financial services space. It makes sense. Every regulation, well, we did that because that happened and we had a problem here, so we closed into that. But expecting a company that's been one, two, three years old to have the capital, the resources, the focus to be able to do the same intense sort of regulatory mm -hmm. responses and compliance standards to that being held by a $180 billion bank that's been around for 100 years does not make sense. So you see in the regulatory space that they're trying to say, okay, let's get paths for you to get towards regulation. Yeah. Let's give stepping stones. It needs way more than that. It's interesting, isn't it, when you look at the, I mean, the top 10 stocks on the ASX in like the year 1910, mm. like literally 113 years ago, I think seven of the top 10 are the same. Yeah, that's yeah. scary. And, I th and I'm pretty sure I'm right that the top 10 uh, in New York are different in now than they were in the year yeah, 2000. I'd imagine that's the case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, is there an opportunity for that to change? Um, well, obviously, being an entrepreneur at heart, like I hope so, and I'd, I'd be completely depressed if I thought in 100 years it's just the same brands right. up there dominating, not actually doing much and just making truckloads of money off consumers and businesses. That's utterly depressing. Yep. So I hope there's a lot of breed coming through, but... Uh, still a lot of change has to come. And, and governments, which local and state um, and federal governments do do a bit of this, but just giving the capital to those businesses that are actually showing the right signs of growing, 
giving them rebates, giving them tax incentives, giving them motivation to hire locally, yep. et cetera, all this goes on. There's so much more that can be done. So at the start of this um, conversation, before we pressed record, you know, you basically warned me, don't ask me obvious questions. Yep. So um, how, how am I going so far? Pretty good, pretty oh, good. That's good yeah. to know. So I am now going to ask you an obvious question. Damn it. Uh, okay, so I, I read yesterday that um, AI is the end of the world. And um, it is the, the same language is being used around AI as was being used in the sixties around nuclear, you know, nuclear Armageddon. Yep. So, just um, what say you? Well, all right. Um, where do I start? My view on this one. Um, there is obviously a stream of thinking that if it continues a certain way, unabated, unregulated, uh, it, it could get to a dire outcome. I just don't see that in the foreseeable future at all. Um, is regulation the answer? Uh, I think a form of it is, but I can't imagine regulators being able to keep up with the speed of innovation happening AI, so I worry about that and it's yeah. going to hold it back. Um, I think, I mean, ultimately AI, what people are most scared about was when it creates its own thinking and it has its own you know, ability to... You know, fill, the, fill the universe. Correct, and yeah. I, I just I, that seems a little bit too far-fetched for me. I know, yeah. I know it's possible, but I think that the, the, the benefits that are going to come from AI in the short and the medium term so vast yeah. so vast for the human species i just think it's something we can't be scared of we have to embrace and we have to take it forward yeah. and yes much like nuclear nuclear power versus weapons there's great benefit that can come from something that's really dangerous and bad but yeah. uh, i think ai is very similar where we don't take it lightly but we've got to how do we how do we get the regulators on the front foot um you know if let's just sort of go to america where you know home of home of the maker the the tech platforms that have changed the world um they don't really self-regulate and there is a whole lot of not so good that comes out of there. Yep. Um, so there isn't evidence that governments are good at getting ahead of, uh, you know, innovation. Yeah, I think probably they have a little bit less of an immediate reaction to innovation and let it prosper for a little bit. Uh, and, okay. and yes, sometimes bad comes of that in terms of there might be some problems that come out of it. Often it's net-net it's a vastly beneficial thing and you look at Uber yep. or things like that, like something that the community should have and should be allowed to prosper. Um, so yeah, I think it just it just lets it go a little bit longer than rather being really heavy-handed, you know, like it's a state thing, but nanny state type philosophy that we often have in Australia, where we just jump on things and what's the problem, etc. So let it let it go a bit, give it a little bit of free will, right. and, and enable it to prosper, and then sort of help it. And then I, you know, I had a great conversation, I think, even just yesterday around. Well, the problem the problem with it when you start regulating industry is then what you're actually doing is firming up that as an industry. Yes. So you're sort of putting yep. a fence around the industry and saying over to you guys. Uh, here's the playing field, and you guys are on that playing field. So, oh, that, I like the sound of that. You know, as in a good reason not to regulate. <laughs> well, the, the the problem with regulation often the first thing that regulators do to regulate, and this is not all the case, and no offence to regulators out there, but they go back to the incumbents to ask, yes. "What should we do?" Yes, and so the incumbents are. I mean, I'm sure their motives are pure, but they're obviously going to go. Well, you should have a 12 months waiting period before you launch a new product, or right. you should. Um, and the, the worst part of it is a lot of the bits between the regulation, like down from the regulation to the quasi-regulation space, there's a lot of these panels and advisory boards and what have you are literally chaired, governed, run by the banks. The voting systems are the banks. So it's like a bit of, a bit of focus has been on this of late and so there's been yes. some really healthy change where that's been acknowledged and changed a little bit. Yeah. There's still too much of that. Right. Um, Zella, back to Zella, sweet yeah. spot, sweet spot. The customer, when, when you see that customer going, oh, there's no doubt that person right there is sweet spot for me. What's that look like? 
Uh, that's a good question. We don't have an absolute sweet spot. For, for and The reason I say that is like our future is whilst we don't call ourselves a bank, is a modern version of a business bank. So, And that should not ostracize or exclude any type of business. It should be welcome for everyone uh, and it suits everyone. Right, even BHP? Good point. Uh, so if we look at where we probably cap out is when you get into that enterprise level. So we don't have structured debt facilities and huge lending facilities for these businesses which they might want to leverage. So mm -hmm. they're probably not going to use us, but probably down from enterprise, yeah. it's, it's anyone down there. Any sector, we're sector agnostic, so no matter what you do, what your okay. craft is, online, offline, hospitality, retail, it, it suits everyone. Um, but we're finding amazing traction in hospitality Retail, health and beauty, and services are probably the strongest ones. Interesting. And, I, and I, when you name those sectors, I think that they're, they're sort of brand-aware sectors. Yep. Yeah, So they, and they like the idea, I think, of themselves being innovators. Yep. And they probably, probably like the idea that you're providing them some – are you providing them value? Yes, yes, we are. Us, uh, a lot of value, so much value. Um, truckloads of value. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, it's important to ask. <laughs> it is. It is. No, it's a good question. It gives me the opportunity to say that. Yes, we do. Right. right uh, a lot of that. I mean, for, for us, um, businesses that have struggled with expensive FBOS terminals, confusing pricing, they come to us one price. Mm. Uh, that they're confusing onboarding to get a business bank account. You can get a transaction account set up within minutes. You can get going. Sorry. So in terms of taking a massive burden off business owners, yep. you're a business owner. Yep. Um, I'm a business owner. It is hard. It's ridiculously hard. And there is no way if you're running an amazing restaurant or bar or whatever you that you have to or should know about financial services. You should know the the, uh, the important part, how to manage your cash flow, huh. but keeping up with trends, modern, what's the best solution, forget about it. shouldn't be. So we like to think we bring that simplicity of the modern technology to them. And is Zeller in the notification business? So will you will you push out to me and say, oh, be careful, don't buy that you know packet of chewing gum because your cash flow is in <laughs> trouble? Yeah, it's a it's a big part of our modern uh, our current build at the moment is to help you make those decisions. Right. I don't think we'll stop you from buying chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a discretionary spend at these times. You deserve us. But, Thank um, you. Uh, yeah, no, definitely helping businesses understand because you can actually start predicting a cash flow of business once it's been around for a while. Yeah. And if your cash flow, your incoming cash flow is lumpy, it's really hard to plan for that. So yeah. making sure that we provide tools, services, insights that allow them to look ahead mm -hmm. and just get that warning that they better be, hold back a bit of funds for that bill that's coming, we know it's coming, is very important. How, how important in terms of growth do you think Fame is for Zella. Fame. Uh, that's a fascinating question. Um, if you dissect, if I dissect fame, there's two parts of it because it's an interesting use of the word fame as opposed to brand recognition or something. So fame to me implies some form of there's a little bit of arrogance or egotism involved with it. So I hope that there's none of that. I like to think we're a humble brand and we just go about our business. We provide products, so we don't care about fame from that perspective. But it's it's uh, an awareness game. Like right. people, I would love to think every business in Australia knows the brand Zella, and I know they will. They're not quite yet there, but if fame affords us that sort of notoriety or awareness, bring it on. I like your answer very much. Fame is interesting. in In the UK, if I um, if I asked you that question, they'd say not a problem. In the US, they'd say give it to me. Give it to me quick time. In Australia, we're not so good at saying at understanding, but yep. you immediately understood what I meant by fame. Yeah, in in that it is about well winning the awareness battle and uh, and recognition. If I said to you, um, there's balloons that go over Melbourne most mornings, 
I'm going to stick a Zella sticker on the side of that <laughs> balloon. What would you say to me? You guarantee it won't fall out of the sky? Uh, uh, no. Um, I mean, I think the logical brain comes into play yeah. there. So how much is it going to cost for us? Yeah, well, right. How many eyeballs am I going to get? Yeah. Yeah, is it worth my money? Yeah. But no, if you said you're going to do it, absolutely. Whack it up there. I'd love to see it. More people that stumble across the fact again yes um can, can see our brand absolutely bring it on it's it's funny your point about the us and the uk as well i think there's an extra amplification of that problem or difference in the tech industry as well yeah like so many people in these spaces in these different worlds that the game is being an entrepreneur or being in tech or being known in the space we couldn't care two hoots about that right. now that said i know the heavy irony your listeners are probably thinking Ben's on a podcast right now, so I'm kind of being a little bit uh, whatever hypocritical here. But um, yeah, I, for us, it's about all about the business. If we if we are doing activities that bring spotlight onto our business to let people know that we're around, yep. all in, ready to go. Good man, uh, Ben. I, I introduced Freddie before um, because we like to ask Freddie. So Freddie's a um, young entrepreneur. So Freddie, any questions for Ben? Uh, thank you, Russ, and thank you, Ben. Um, you seem uh, pretty normal. Uh, a lovely and uh, funny and very intelligent, but uh, like a normal sort of guy. Um, uh, looking back over your career, though, uh, what quality or skill uh, would you say you've relied upon most often um, or we could say is most responsible for you being here today? Uh, um, another good question. Uh, I Probably uh, all the attributes that were negative when I was a bit younger. Um, so uh, I was ridiculously impatient. Um, I was competitive. Um, I wanted to get things done tomorrow, like I, straight away. Um, so I think, yeah, in, in when I tried working in Blue Chip, I really struggled. I really did. I just tried and tried too many times. Um, but I wanted things done now. I wanted to be able to, you know, push the businesses forward. And uh, that didn't always go well in those environments. So for me, um, the ability that you can get, that's what an entrepreneur needs to be. You need to be stubborn, you need to be naive, you need to push, you need to be impatient. Uh, you need to have some form of self-confidence, hopefully not arrogance, but you're thinking, I can do this, I can get the people, I can raise the money, I can push next step. So that sort of little bit naive optimism, confidence uh, was there as well. So I probably gave you five answers there. So Very um, good, yeah. How hard could it be? <laughs> How hard could it be? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? The the word focus is pretty important. Yeah. Is that a yeah. part of the the, um, the Zeller executive suite's, you know, core value, focus? Um, God, I sound like I answer all your questions with uh, two answers. So it's really wrong. So um, we, by design, didn't want to be too focused. Now, just hear about this the one where I didn't want to just build one product and build the product and build it really well and iterate it and sit back and go, look, this product product i knew that there were so many problems in this broader space that we wanted to bring products together so we wanted to have multi-products we wanted to keep innovating back to your question just ask me I, I i don't want to be working in a business which isn't innovating so the ability to sort of look more broadly and and not just focus on one thing is one thing but once you've locked into the what you're doing and how you're doing it and who is doing it mm -hmm. that focus that that naive confidence to get it done and that determination and because you hit barriers every single day yeah. If you can push through them and keep going and keep going and keep going, that from that stupid little idea, hey, let's build a bank, um, to the, oh, actually, we've got something now. It, it, you can get from this aid or whatever the other one is. Um, it feels weird and you don't know you're doing it at the time, but when you look back and you go, oh, okay. okay. Focus. So focus um, in terms of money, is it, is it pure top-line growth? That's, that's the game right now? Uh, that's obviously important. We're probably not 100% subscribing to the current, if everyone's sort of yeah. in the business world at the moment. It's all about get to profitability, get to profitability. 
Um, we have a path if we wanted to do that, but that's not the business that I want to build in the short term. So if we push prof- pushed to profitability now, we would basically drop incredibly exciting innovation we're working on. We'd streamline our team to just solve today's problems yeah. and, and not tomorrow. So it's very much about looking beyond that horizon for us. But being fiscally responsible is always been a part of our DNA from the start. And it probably comes with, I don't know what who the you are. Yeah, definitely. Who, who, who I am, who the team is. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the average age of an entrepreneur is, but I'm probably a little bit above it. I don't know. Um, although I kept getting told it's actually quite old. But um, it is. Um, there are, you know, getting a bit of capital injection, we don't care about you know wasting money on frivolous stuff and just chewing know, gum. Like it, it's an honour. It's a. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that one. We can have some chewing gum. <laughs> um, it just like it's a responsibility. You're taking people's money. I've yeah. never been able to divorce myself from that. Like it's like. Yes, it's a VC and they've got money and failure is a good thing and some things are going to lose. But um, I'm also asking uh, 200 or 220 people to trust me with a, a, a portion of their life and their career and their and their future to come work at this company. So, And as CEO, if I was doing stupid things and wasting capital and just spending frivolously and it all goes up in flames like happens a lot these days, I'd be personally devastated. And, and so maybe it was also the way I was raised by my parents to – you know, watch out for what you spend and spend wisely and et cetera. But that responsibility and a positive burden I wear with a great degree of, you know, man. sincerity. Oh, let's go back to the pub. Um, you, are, <laughs> you are about to, you're lining up to pot the black, right? I think because I think you're winning. Okay. So um, seven years from now, it, that'll be the last thing I'd ask you. Seven years from, from now, Zella, what's it look like? Uh I have had this question before and I, and I reflected on my answer on this and it sounds really trite. So, but I'll give that one and then I'll give the second one. Um, I don't want to know where we are in seven years. So, and, and that is, that is genuine. It's not just a made-up thing. Is that I would love to think in seven years if we came and had a chat again and you went, hey, do you remember you were that business and you were doing only this, this and this, but now look at what you're doing. Now look at where you are. Now look, like as a business, yep. uh, that would that's joy to me. So I'd love to think that in seven years we're at a special place that I don't know. So that's the... More than fintech? Um, no, no. Okay. I think we have to... I, I'm, I'm a believer in staying in your lane from that aspect okay. and just keep going on yep. that, that space. But and the other? say never. And the other answer? Uh, the other answer is I want to be a brand that every Australian business knows and trusts um, and I want to be in new markets and I want to see our uh, helping businesses around the world. And I also want to be part of a story that not only the people in Zella can be proud of but all Australians can be proud of that we're taking... Australian entrepreneurialism to the world and actually succeeding on a, on a global scale, that would be absolute heaven. Good on you, Ben. Uh, and I want to thank you for calling Banks Dumb Vessels. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a thrill. It's a thrill for all of us. Um, uh, ben, ben Fisserer, you are, well, you're on a great path and it's been great to meet you and to learn more about Zella. Um, and I suspect where you'll be, well, you're going to be where you think you might be in seven years' time a whole lot quicker than that. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Russ.